Hey family, if you are an educator, a teacher, a principal, an education consultant, I have something so special that you cannot find anywhere else that is coming to your phone, your iPad, your desktop. I am bringing together my squad. I'm bringing together my team. I'm bringing together some folks who you can identify with because they were in the classroom in schools and education organizations just like you and now they are running six and seven figure education consulting businesses. I am Dr. Erica Jordan Thomas and welcome to the Seven Figure Educator Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Seven Figure Educator. I am your host, Dr. Erica Jordan Thomas, former teacher, former principal, Harvard grad, and full-time entrepreneur of a seven-figure education consulting business. Today, you are in for a special, special treat. We have Dr. Sean Woodley, founder of Teach, Hustle, Inspire, and the author of not one, but two books, MC Means Move the Class, and the League of Extraordinary Educators. We have the opportunity to be able to hear from an educator who has made the transition into full-time entrepreneurship. And during this episode, he is breaking down the game of running a business and specifically, what do you do when you have a book? Do you just out here pushing it and selling it? How does it actually fit into your business? We are going to dive into that during this episode and learn more about how he's sparking engagement and motivation in urban and culturally diverse classrooms. Let's go ahead and jump in. All right. So thank you for joining me. I'm super excited to have you, excited to really unpack your story uh, for our audience. Absolutely. Glad to be here. So let's start with your journey. Yes. And so I think it's really helpful for our audience of educators, many of folks who are still kind of trying to put together and formulate who is an education consultant, mm -hmm. what type of experience do people have? So walk people through your journey in education prior to going into your business. So I am a 15-year education veteran. I taught at the K-12 level for 10 years. I taught college for five years. And essentially what got me started in my journey, I was at a pivotal time in my education where my students were having a lot of success. And I was someone who recognized in my school, I was teaching in the state of Virginia at that time, my students were so successful, they got state level recognition. Mm. And so while I was on a high in that particular instance, and I'm, I'm skipping a whole bunch of stuff, but what that told me was that those students could do it because at that point, it had not been done before. Mm. And I don't even know if it's been done since. Mm. Um, but those at the school at which I taught, it was on the other side of the tracks. It was one of those schools, mm -hmm. you know, and it had a bad reputation and a bad community. But what I was able to demonstrate is that those students could be successful. But that was eye opening to me because it was like, all right, cool. Yes, you show that they can do it, but who else needs to know those methods so that they can unlock their students' intellectual treasure mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So that kind of sparked something in me. And what really kicked off things for me was when we started the 2009 school year, we had the opening convocation and I was just one of those teachers, you know, you show up, I, I want to get in my classroom, but I'm just here. So I won't get fined. That's why I was there. But <laughs> the speaker that was there, I left out of there on fire and I was like, that's it. 
it just, I was at a transitional period in my life where I was like, I need to have more impact. I don't know how that was it right mm -hmm. there. And I left out of there and started doing some research, enrolled in a PhD program, taught my behind off another year and just started on my journey to try and see what it is that I can do to have more impact. Mm. This is what I love about this so much is, I mean, there's no like one journey to being an education consultant, but a lot of the stories that you're going to hear on this podcast are like unicorns. Mm. <laughs> like they are education unicorns who have made the decision to expand their impact. And so like, even when I hear your story, I'm like, yo, 15 years in the game has done amazing dope things for kids and has a heart for the work, has it's driven by your values. And now what does it mean for that type of educator to start a business, right? Like that's typically not what we're used to when we think of education consultants who are standing in the front of the room giving mediocre PD. Listen, right? don't get me That's started. typically not who we think about. So before we're gonna we're gonna go a couple different directions, but I want folks to know your receipts because <laughs> I want folks to understand the type of impact that you have in your business. I know, and I'm like, I don't think folks know you're a speaker speaker. Like <laughs> it ain't like I'm coming through your pulpit in your little community church, even though you might, but I'm like, no, the stages that you have stood on are some of the largest stages in the country when we're talking about the education sector. So give yeah. the folks some of your receipts in terms of the things that you've done through your business. It, it's been incredibly rewarding. So I've done everything from your school level, you know, small school, regular size school, professional development to national conferences. Uh, one of the most recent being I did the keynote speech for the Council for Exceptional Children. Mm. That is the national organization that supports learning um, support for schools and districts across the country. And that was a really, really awesome experience. Other national conferences, Vegas, Atlanta here just last week, um, coming from another one that was in, where was I? I'm just, I, I, my flights are, I'm all over the place right now. Because <laughs> um, you travel a lot, you yeah, real. <laughs> I'm, I'm, listen, but my sky miles. Let's, come on. Come on, status. Let's, let's listen, dude, platinum, platinum mm -hmm, status. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, just being, having an opportunity to have impact, especially for some things that are kind of like invite only. There are some conferences where you can submit a proposal and they evaluate the proposals and things, but some of those where it's, we're, we're not taking proposals from the general public, we're, we're, this is an invite only because we need to know who you are and who you have impact. I've been fortunate to have some of those opportunities mm. and, it's, and it's been pretty dope, it has. What's the largest stage in terms of number of people that you've spoke on? How many people? About 3,500. Yeah. 3,500. You mm -hmm. sure? Because you told me 6,500. Yeah. Well, that was all of the people total at the event. But my particular sector, because I was teaching secondary, mm. that was only a section of that. Okay. Not mm -hmm. only 3,500. So we're talking standing in front of thousands of yeah. people. And I think that's a great example of a way in which you extend your impact through your yeah. business. Because oftentimes when we think about impact in education, we're thinking about a classroom of 20 to 30 mm -hmm. or a school of maybe a couple hundred, a couple of thousand. Um, and now you're talking about within the course of the week, how many speaking engagements do you typically have within a week? 
It depends um, because there are seasons with it. And so it can be anywhere from two up to four. And that is a lot because <laughs> I have a family at home, mm-hmm. but it's, it's something that I try, like I have to, we're coming into this busy season. So I've had to say no a lot mm-hmm. because my family is very important to me mm-hmm. and my kids are still young right now, I'm a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. So these are pivotal times in their lives. And while I still recognize I'm still trying to have this impact, I also have priority number one is my family. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is interesting because um, in hearing you say, I it, these aren't your exact words, but the way I'm hearing it is like, you have the privilege of being able to say no. Yes. And I feel like for lots of educators, when particularly if you're still working a nine to five within a school district or education organization, you feel like you have to say yes to everything. Like you don't have the privilege of saying no. And so how, what happened that, I think may have caused that shift to where you don't feel the pressure to say yes to everything. And mm-hmm. I know you mentioned like family is family is underneath that, but yep. I also feel like there's some mindset shifts that have to happen. What would you say those mindset shifts were for you? A couple of things at the beginning, like you mentioned, definitely feeling like I had to say yes to everything. And what I realized in that is it was causing me extra stress because when you say yes to everything, you're saying yes to things that are not necessarily in your specific zone of genius and or area of expertise. Mm. So particularly what I do is I help a lot of schools and or districts or even organizations that support education in urban and culturally diverse communities. However, with that, with the specific methodologies and frameworks that I've developed, there are a lot of associated things with that as well. And so people just assume you can do those things as well. And I could I? Yes. But is it my area of expertise? Mm. Not necessarily. Mm. But at the beginning stages, I don't have that thought process to discriminate. And so I'm like having these conversations and they're saying, well, we kind of need this. Could you do this? And I'm like, yes. Mm. But now I have this set of products and services, but now I got to kind of create something else, mm-hmm. added stress. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but at my, at that point, I'm trying to get my name out there. I'm trying to build credibility. So I'm saying yes to everything now, because I recognize it wasn't, it's learning mm-hmm. that the whole thing is learning because there is no book on it. Mm-hmm. But now I'm understanding that, listen, here's where I operate. Here's where I operate very well. And if this doesn't work for what you need, cool. No mm. problem. I have zero problem saying mm. that. And another thing that I learned in that also is that sometimes I've had to learn to read between the lines of what people think their issue is versus what the actual problem mm. may be. And so I've been able to be very successful at kind of just listening between the lines and understanding they're telling me this, but I know the problem is really that. Mm -hmm. And then I'll sell them on what they need to hear, but deliver the actual solution to solve the Mm. problem. And those are two different things. Mm. So it's understanding what it is that the client is saying versus what they actually may need. And also understanding if what they need is not in my zone of genius, that I can say no, because I'm at that Mm. place right now. So what's so powerful about what you just shared and mentioned is, I think it dispels a misconception for mm-hmm. a lot of folks when it comes to making money in their business. I think a lot of people think that making money in your business is you have to do all the things. Mm-hmm. And so like 
You have to say yes to all the contracts. You have to offer all these options in order to take advantage of every opportunity to grow your revenue. And what I hear you saying is challenging that of actually the money is in narrowing down its focus. It's mm -hmm. knowing your lane. It's being really clear on what am I an expert at mm -hmm. and what is something that I know how to do, but actually I'm not the best person or it's not the best use of my energy to do that. 100%. And so I think that's a really, really key point for folks in the audience who are listening to us to, to make sure that they don't miss that the money is actually in narrowing and boundaries versus Oh, uh, Burger King, have it your way, <laughs> right? Like if you got a, if you want a thirty minute PD, a sixty minute, a ninety minute, half day, full day, I got what you need. Like no, yeah. <laughs> like this is what I have, and you either take it or leave it. So one of the things that I think a lot of educators who are transitioning into their business or growing their business, they struggle with or they have to unlearn is pricing mm. and yep. their relationship with money. And so there's something that I believe particularly for educators happens in their business is their first shock sale Yeah, where it is the moment you get a client and what they're willing to pay you shocks you. Yes. And like that number, yeah. the first time you have that shock sale where it's like, Oh my God, someone is willing to pay me this. It completely changes your perspective of how much money you can make, yes. how fast money can move. It changes your perception of how you price yourself. So I'm curious to hear about your first shock sale. What, tell us about that. It was 2018. So one of the important things to know is that I had my first keynote speech, if you will, and I say that with the air quotes intentionally, in 2012. Mm. But this was when I was still in the classroom and it was for the National Junior Honor Society at Come the school. On. And because I was teacher of the year, they had asked me to do that. Mm. And so I'm like, cool. And of course it was unpaid, but I still put that on my resume. Mm -hmm. And it was a learning experience. I had a lot of fun. And that's when I started to kind of branch out and I was getting a couple of things here and there. I was still in school. So I didn't graduate until 2014. I finished my PhD. And so then after that, I started going even more a couple times a year and it ramped up, snowballed. Mm -hmm. So 2018, I'm out here, I'm out here now. Mm -hmm. I'm still teaching at the university level, but I'm out presenting at more conferences, securing more contracts. And so I got referred to from a former colleague um, for an event that was coming up for a school district. And so I set up a meeting and had a conversation. They told me what the goals were for this. It was a small conference. And so they asked me what my price was. And I had been doing some reading and I'm mm. like, all right. And I threw it back at them. I was like, well, you know, um, I would love to share that information with you. And I just need a couple more details. And then I kind of came back around with it. So, you know, do you have a range? Do you have a budget? I, I, I threw that back at them. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm studying. And Come I'm, on. And so, well, and, and then what was crazy was they threw it back at me. Okay. <laughs> and so we were, I, I saw what it was and I said, all right, let me draft up a couple of things and let me give you a couple of options. That's my goal. So I give you a couple of options. Mm -hmm. And so what they told me, though, the good piece of information was that I got was one of the speakers they were considering. And so that told me everything that I needed to know. Mm. I went and looked up that person. I can't remember who it is, but he was one of those people. When I Googled him, I had never heard of him before, mm -hmm. but I saw he was a part of the speaking network. Mm. And so I called the speaking network. There was like a number there. 
I changed my voice. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm, I need, I, this is information I need to know. Mm-hmm. So I changed my voice and, and, and kind of was like, I'm, I'm considering having this person for our event and we'd love to get some information so that we can draw up. They were like, and I was like, you know, do you have a, a, an estimated range for what it would per, cause, I mean, cost for person X to do a speaking engagement? And I was like, oh, he's around 30 grand. I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> Come on, 30 grand? Yo. So, and this is just for like an hour keynote. Yes. And so I knew that I wasn't where he was, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I'm at least a third of the way where he is. Come on. So I then took that information and then drafted up a quote and sent them a quote for, I want to say like 8,500. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay. Mm. And I was like, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> and what year was this? 2018. This was 2018. Yeah. Yo. And we know that pricing is a journey. So like, you know, you start somewhere and then, you know, your pricing grows as you grow in clarity, as you grow in confidence, as you grow in the value that you're providing to an organization. But this is why that story is so dope. Mm -hmm. It's because essentially that's market research. Yep. Market research of figuring out what are other people in the market charging for a similar service. And what I also appreciate about what you did is like, you didn't feel the self-imposed rules of like, well, I can't call or I can't Google. Mm -hmm. Like if, if I think that's, I think that's the type of freedom and permission that successful entrepreneurs give themselves is like, whatever I need, I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna get it. Right. And you clearly made a way for that. I want to um, switch gears just a bit and talk about branding because yeah. I actually knew of you before I knew you. <laughs> and I actually knew your brand before I had the opportunity and gift to meet you. So your brand of Teach, Hustle, Inspire mm-hmm. is one that I think I'm making some assumptions here and I feel Mm -hmm. like these are are healthy assumptions to make is that there's an intentional branding strategy. I mean, even the hoodie, right? Like I would love for you to break down for folks how you think about brand. Like, so first off, like where did teach hustle inspire come from? But then like, also how do you think about branding? Because clearly it's working in terms of, I saw it before I knew you. So talk to us around where did that brand come from? And then how you think about branding. Okay. So similar to pricing and a lot of other things, it was a journey and I didn't just come out the gate with it. As I mentioned, um, had a epiphany, if you will, clarity on this is how I need to have more impact. Went to school, started doing some things, have started having a couple of things here or there. And so I was on going out and branching out and just kind of, I knew that I needed to do something, but I just wasn't sure what. So 2017, 2018, I start landing more speaking engagements and I just feel I can't really understand or explain adequately where or why, but I just feel like I need to do more and just have a bigger presence. And so I started coming up with these ideas. Teach Hustle Inspire is actually the second iteration of my Mm. brand, if you will. And so 2017, I want to say I launched a podcast Mm. and it was called Urban and Educating. And I was trying to have like just a different feel. And so that's the brand that I was using. Mm. And it was cool, but it was like, ah, you know, just it, it, it did the job for the time. And then a couple of years later, um, in 2019, I'm doing something. I can't remember what it is. And I'm just kind of feeling this shift. And I'm sitting in my office and the good 
Lord just dropped, like literally just teach hustle inspiring, mm. just like in my head. And I'm like, huh. I started playing around. I did the design myself. I kind of, huh. and it, it took me maybe 30 minutes, mm. but it wasn't 30 minutes. It was years worth of experience, studying branding, studying impact, studying what I want to be, studying what I want to communicate. And it all came together mm. in 30 minutes. You, mm -hmm, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so that it, once I had that clarity and I saw it in my head, I just kind of put it together. I was using like Photoshop and Canva, mm -hmm. simple stuff mm -hmm. and just kind of put it together myself. And I was like, that's it. But I needed to test it. And so the way that I tested it was I kind of relaunched the podcast and I put it on my Instagram. I said, this is going to be the new um, podcast design. You know, what do you think? A lot of likes and comments. Got a couple of people DMing me. They were like, yo, we should put that on a shirt. We. we. Oh, come on. We. Ooh. We could we could make a lot of money, Ooh. not knowing I already had experience in merchandise. Mm. So I already knew kind of what the strategy and the mm. game plan was going to be. Two people, two more people, uh, two more people after that hit me up with kind of similar things. Somebody even slid a mock-up of my logo on a cup and was like, Do you like this? We could do this. We could oh, I was wow. like the audacity. Oh yeah. You okay. know, but it, it's all good. But that was validation for me. Right. That right, was validation right, right. like this is hitting. So right. I went and just went straightforward with it and led with that because there's a couple of things with it. I think what helps it to stand out is that number one, it's simple. Um, number two, it's slightly edgy mm. and it's different mm -hmm. because if you look at a lot of teacher brands and this is like no slight and no shade, but you'll see a lot of teachers brand themselves and a lot of the fonts, like this is like teacher font. And listen, don't give me no <laughs> Crayola font. Okay. And which is, which is all good, you know, and they have their audience, which is cool, but that's, that's not my audience. That's yeah. not my lane. That's not me. Right. So I had to do something that was me. And what I began to learn about that is that it resonated with people and it was very easy to differentiate myself. And so just with exposure from merchandise, I use my skills and having merchandise experience. I use my skills in being able to speak and converse with people and have conversations, just navigate things. I put all of that together and launched the shirts initially just in one color. Then I expanded. They started doing really well. And I use that as just like a beacon. It's like the bat signal mm -hmm. up there because mm -hmm. educators, they understand and they can relate with that. Like, and, it's, and it also has meaning. So the mm -hmm. teach means to unlock intellectual treasure. Mm -hmm. The hustle is about like how we can't stop and won't stop learning. And the inspire means to spread love and light. So it's positive, it's clear, and it's personal. Mm. Oh my gosh. First off, I'm still stuck on this bat signal. Like, <laughs> because I think, I think the... Most people aren't thinking about branding that way. Mm. Like, how does your branding, I heard you say two things. How does your branding call in your people, mm -hmm. but also propel who, who are not your people, right? And like, and I think what's so sophisticated about what you've done is you've been able to do that with a level of clarity, conciseness, and simplicity, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's where so many people go wrong in their branding is they make it overly complicated where it's like, I don't understand what that means. Mm -hmm. Or like they are, they're still trying to play it safe. So because of that, your people don't know that they're your people. Yeah. 
Yep. And so like, I think what you've built from a branding standpoint is such a beautiful case study for like the, the core tenets of branding. And what I appreciated what you said too, was like, look, I use the resources that I had to make this happen, make this happen and, and execute. Cause so many people get caught up in, I need to get this. I need to buy that. I need this software. And it's just mm -hmm. like, just go, just, just go. go, just go. Um, I'm trying not to stay too long on this nugget that you said of like, once you start popping the way folks, all of a sudden you ain't never heard of or know, just start sliding in <laughs> of like wanting to partner. Yeah. How do you think about partnerships and has that evolved? Because I imagine, and I at least think for me, because my business has grown, mm -hmm. I'm realizing Oh, I got more shit to lose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. And because I got more ish to lose, I just can't be out here partnering with any and everybody. So given yeah. the brand that you've established, how do you think about partnerships? I can't just be out here willy nilly with everybody. Right. Like that, that's that's what what I have to I have to discriminate. I have to protect my brand. I have to protect myself. And so what I know on one hand that I cannot do what I need to do by myself. So partnerships are absolutely essential, but I also need a level of competence with that. Mm -hmm. So no disrespect, but you kind of sliding and saying, hey, we could do this and showing a mock-up of a mug and that's not what you do. You, you know what right. I'm saying? Right. Like that's not what you do. Right. You just had the idea. That's not helping me. Right. I, there are people that, you know, will try to, what's the, what's the nice way to say this? Like, Dovetail off of your success. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and it's cool because I know like, for, for example, when I was in college, one of kind of the, the poems that I learned in my frat was that, you know, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. Mm. And so on one hand, I know that I'm not where I want to be. However, I'm further than some other people and I have a responsibility to help others. Mm -hmm. However, I have to make, I have to judge with a certain level of competence and a certain level of risk assessment to mm. see, all right, how is this going to be mutually beneficial? I see, for example, a couple of the people that I look up to and that mentor me, they see that, all right, I've already gotten a certain place by myself. I've already put in a certain level mm -hmm. of effort and I've already gotten a certain level of results. If I just help him with this, this, and that, it'll propel him even mm -hmm. further. So I already came with mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. Like that's one of the biggest differences. Mm -hmm. And so those collaborations are definitely important and they're de definitely necessary to have. And I have a responsibility and an obligation to help somebody who, especially people that look like us. However, there are certain things. I, I know that I can't help everybody and everybody is not ready for, for mm -hmm. help at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm, that's so good because I think one of the things to, I love the word that you said of risk assessment Yeah. because that, I feel like so many people are missing that level of, of thoughtfulness and intentionality. And I think us as educators, we get it because the work that we do, we are responsible for the livelihood and safety of kids. And so like when you put it in that standpoint, it's like, is just anybody going to cover your class? Correct. Like we bring it just anybody on a field trip? Like exactly. we ain't doing no background check? Like what? <laughs> and like it's, you have to approach that, your, your business with that same level of intentionality of who you're partnering with to the point where now that I've grown to a seven-figure business, I got ish to lose, I realized I can't partner with solopreneurs anymore. Yeah. And even though I want to, right? Mm -hmm. Like I want to be able to s support your business, but realizing that 
the, the level of, even if I were to hire a graphic designer, I need more than three social media posts a week. <laughs> like that, the, the amount of work yeah. that I am bringing to your business because we have a marketing engine that's an engine. rolling and yes. happening. Mm -hmm. It is too much work for a solopreneur that has other clients. Right. And so because of that, now my risk assessment is if you ain't got no team, you risky, mm -hmm. right? Because now you getting ready to be a bottleneck in my business. And this has happened before where you just can't keep up with your other clients plus me because we have so much work that we're sending to you. So I love that language. And I think that's a total gem for our folks who are listening. So I want to talk about your, your book. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> um, so you have... Two books, one that is upcoming and it is coming out this November. Mm -hmm. And so first, tell us a little bit about um, the new book that's upcoming. And then I want to talk about the choice and decision behind, A, just writing a book, but this is going to be your second book. So tell us a little bit about the book that's coming out. Sure. Um, my new book coming out is called The League of Extraordinary Educators. And this is, I chose a different approach. Like I'm a creative by nature and I didn't want to just put out another education book like everybody else. I, I had the first one, which was a traditional nonfiction book. I put a lot into that, mm. but I wanted this one to be different. And so this one, the formula that I use, I use, it's a half fable and half nonfiction. So I'm teaching in the second half of the book. Mm. And the book is about a secret society of educators that hide in plain sight to fight oppression in schools. Oh my God. Oh my God. Just pick me up. <laughs> Like just yeah. pick me up off the floor. So it's it's I think it's pretty unique, and I'm I'm ridiculously excited about it. Oh my goodness! So talk to us about the decision to mm -hmm. write a book, and I don't know if the strategy or decision behind. Because tell us a little bit about your first book, okay. first, Before we go there. Yep. So my first book was a self-published book. This the second one I got a traditional publishing deal. Um, working with Wiley, Josie Bass. And so that's going to be bookshelves, Amazon, and so forth. But my first book was a self-published book. And that one is called MC Means Move the Class, How to Spark Engagement and Motivation in Urban and Culturally Diverse Schools. That one told my story of being a teacher and a DJ at the same time. Mm. And I created a framework of for what I call the elements of urban education to create balance in the classroom. So mm. achievement and culturally responsive instruction, alliance, relationship building, the awareness and self-care, emotional intelligence, and the artistry, which is creativity. And sprinkling all of these things together and what your formula may look like to create balance in the classroom could be different. But I leveraged the analogy of being a DJ and instead of trap, um, chapters in the books, I have tracks. So each of the tracks is like a spin on a hip hop song. So mm -hmm. one of them is like me, you, your mama, and your students too. Mm -hmm. Like I, I do things like mm -hmm. that so that people can, if you're familiar with hip hop, R&B in some way, shape, or form, or just the construct of what a DJ is and how he moves the crowd, I'm helping you to move the class. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what's the business side of writing a book because I think from the outsider looking in, it's easy to assume, oh, I love writing. Let me just publish a book. Mm -mm. But how are you thinking about your book as a business owner? So this is one of the mindset shifts that I had to have. I worked with an awesome book coach. Um, his name is Azul Tarones, And um, he was a former educator and principal 
who left the the school system to have greater impact as well. And he wrote a book that was very successful and started helping others. And so one of my frat brothers put me in touch with him and he helped to shift my mindset because one of the first things that he told me was that, you know, we see people that have these best-selling books and we expect, oh, you know, to sell hundreds of thousands of copies and get rich. He was like, I don't want you to think about it like that. Not to say that you can't do that. I want you to shift your expectations a little bit. The book is a marketing tool. Mm. And I was like, oh. mm. So it's a credibility factor. Mm. Using that book helps to differentiate you as an educator, as a speaker, because number one, most don't have any. Most don't have your experience. Most don't have your credentials as a, as a doctorate. Um, with a doctorate, most don't have a book. Mm -hmm. So those three things are giving you credibility. They're assets that are going to differentiate you. Yes, we're going to make sure the book is good, but you're not going to build wealth off of that book. You're going to build wealth off the create credibility that the book helps you to establish. And I was like, yo, like just shifting that for right. me was incredibly helpful. And so because my book was self-published, like I was having a conversation with somebody, like it helped me to understand I own my masters. So now because this is my book, I own it. So I control the pricing. I control the, you know, yes, it costs a certain amount to get printed, but that is minimal. And so now because of that, now what I can do is it allows me to create different deals and things. So if I'm negotiating, let's say with a school district, instead of having a keynote speech, let's say that is $10,000, $15,000, what I can do now is say, all right, well, I see you have 5,000 educators in your school system. Why don't we give every one of them a book? And I'll speak for free. So now I just went from fifteen thousand dollars to thirty-five, forty thousand mm. dollars. You know, I can do things like mm -hmm. that because I control my masters. Mm. Okay, uh, y'all, I'm trying to contain myself because I'm like, this is so good. Like this business strategy that you're sharing with folks, like this is this will cause someone to to make money if they're listening and paying attention. If because if right because somebody somebody gonna be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But it's like, no, this is if you currently have a book or you're thinking about a book where people go wrong is they think of the book as a product versus like you said, thinking of about the book as a marketing tool. Mm -hmm. And so, so many people are building businesses around the product of a book, almost as if it's like shampoo or if it's like clothes, <laughs> where it's like, like now mm -hmm. they're becoming a product-based business yeah. because they're pushing this book rather than thinking of the book as a marketing tool that's actually driving traffic mm -hmm. to a higher ticket item, whether Correct. it's a keynote, whether it is a PD series. And was your first book, uh, was that kind of the framework for some of your services yes. in that part of your bit? So it that, was the that's the other part it, it that was people the exact are, is missing. Framework. It was the exact framework. That's the other part that people are missing. Our people are out here writing books and not understanding the position that books have in your business is that it's it serves as the anchor mm -hmm. for for driving traffic but i heard you just name your framework Correct. in that book and exactly. now that framework is pd sessions that's keynotes like that's it's the entry into all of, it. all of it all of it all of it and you just gave a word on how to how to rethink your proposals and yeah. engagements when you have a book yes so talk to us about the second book because mm -hmm. that sounds like it's it's a pivot, but do you consider it a pivot in terms of, you know, the genre or tell, to tell us more about it. And, and I'm just curious to, to hear more. Cause you said, um, a fable and I'm yes. like, Oh, yeah. okay. Tell us more about it. Sure. So with this one, the second time around, I 
first of all, when I wrote the first one, I, I put like blood, sweat and tears in that. I'm not a writer per se. So it was a struggle for me. And because I was coming off at the time when I started writing it, I was like three years past my dissertation. So I was still in academic writing mode. Mm. And that was one of the hurdles that I had to overcome because the first couple of drafts of some of the chapters, it sounded like a textbook. And so that was one of the benefits of having a coach. He kind of helped me to reframe my thinking. You, you got to write this in a different way. So I switched my tone. So that was transformational for me because I did not want to produce a textbook. So this time around, um, I finished that book. Couldn't have told me I was going to write another one because I put so much into it. Ended up writing another one. Cool. Um, but I wanted to do something different, as I mentioned. So I constructed it as half fable, half nonfiction, where I break down a methodology that is used. And what I try to take advantage of is some of the teaching things that I use when I'm working with educators, specifically in urban and culturally diverse schools. And like, we're a storytelling people. Mm. We are, the brain is wired for stories. And the example that I use is like, if I'm speaking or if I'm running a workshop, I'll ask somebody like, what's your favorite movie? What's your favorite movie? And I'll mm -hmm. ask them, mm -hmm. what's your favorite book? Something. Mm -hmm. And I'll ask them, okay, have you seen it once? Yes. Have you seen it twice? Of course. Mm -hmm. Have you seen it five times? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Why? And I'll ask them, why do you watch the same movie? Why do you read the same book multiple times when you know exactly what's going to happen? And they can't, well, because I like it. Why? And I'm, I'm, I'm asking these mm -hmm. with intent because I'm trying to get them to understand that the way the brain works, we're wired for stories. Mm -hmm. Like that is how information was passed for hundreds of thousands of years before we became literate, mm -hmm. uh, literate people. Mm -hmm. And then we use literacy to now expand on these stories. And so I'm using all of that in this book to provide an example. So I'm not just telling you that storytelling is important, I'm showing you, mm -hmm. you know? And that was one of the things that I'm researching and how to write a good story is show, don't tell. Mm -hmm. So I'm literally doing that. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also gonna use this as a framework for a new set of products that's mm -hmm. getting ready to come out in the upcoming, like there's a, there's a whole strategy behind it. You Listen, if you ain't got no back-end product, don't <laughs> write the book. Like that's that's the key takeaway. If yeah. you ain't got no back-end upsell, then don't be writing no book. Yeah. I mean, write, put it in your, your note app. And like, if, if you ain't got no back-end product, then it needs to stay in the note app. But like that level of strategy yeah. is such a gem for our, our folks. So how can people, first off, who should reach out to you? And how can they reach out to you? Mm -hmm. Well, as again, again, I, I, my focus, the, the reason that I think one of the reasons that I exist, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a father. And so my family is very important to me, but you know, one of the key things that I believe and what gets me going every day when I wake up each and every morning is that I exist to redefine what good teaching and learning looks like in urban and culturally diverse schools, because like education is a gift and, and is an extraordinary gift that's been held from too many of us for too long. Okay. And so I wake up excited every single day to see what it is that I can do to unlock the intellectual treasure of some of these teachers who will have impact on those babies mm -hmm. in the learning environment. And so if you are a school that is having, you know, or you know someone that is having, is having difficulties with student engagement, classroom management, like that's, that's my zone of genius. That's where you know, my company can come into support and we have a suite of offerings and products in that lane. Mm -hmm. So if you need something else, that, that's not my area mm -hmm. of expertise. But when we talk about engaging students with brain-based research and neuroscience and, and bridging that gap between teaching pedagogy and cognitive development and neuroscience, like that's, that's where we kind of get nice at. Mm -hmm. So that's, 
you know, all things Teach, Hustle, Inspire. And then, of course, if you want a dope shirt, like it's not one of the <laughs> things that's been pretty cool, though, is that like I'll travel. So I'll wear the merch or something like that. And people are like, yeah, that's a nice shirt. Like, mm. that's, a, that's a pretty cool shirt. And then there are people that buy it that are not educators. Mm -hmm. So these are people that not just people that teach or people that serve students, but people that also believe in teaching and believe in serving students and what the extraordinary gift of education can do. So it's, it's been pretty cool to kind of watch it to grow, watch it grow and develop. But I know right now, like the plan that I have in place, like this is just the beginning. Like this is mm -hmm. just, this phase one in the mm -hmm. multiverse. Like we, we, we going all the way up. Yes. We going all the way up. And so is there what website or mm -hmm. social media? What's the best way for folks to get in contact with you? So everything is pretty much I can be found on Instagram and Facebook at Teach Hustle Inspire. And on Twitter, it is just Sean Woodley, Teach Hustle Inspire is too long. And <laughs> www.teachhustleinspire.com. Thank you, Thank you so much for joining us, for sharing your story with our audience. I think what I consistently get fulfilled through through these conversations and our conversation is just another reminder of just the good people that I have the gift and honor of being in community with as someone who's growing their business and now making this transition from previously as an educator, it just feels good to have yeah. other educators who know the language of education, who know the nuances of how we used to think about money, how we yeah. you know, interacted with money that are doing the work of building a beautiful business that's impacting kids and communities and not sacrificing our value and ourself while we're doing that. I'm just grateful for you and grateful for the ways in which you're showing up through your business and for community. Thank so thank you for joining us. I appreciate you for allowing me the opportunity to share on your platform with the things that you are doing, because this is going to bless, like not just this, but all of this, all of the guests, this is going to bless someone because we need this information because too often it's it's being, you know, there's some sort of gatekeeping going on and we, we, we need this for the sake of either the children and or the educators that we support in various capacities and or for our families mm. and for our future. So thank you. And shout out to you for what you're doing with this. Oh, I receive that. I receive that. Thank you all so much for joining us. And we will catch you on the next episode of Seven Figure Educator. Mm -hmm.